Generation Net Zero, a podcast created by Leading Change. Leading Change is a national nonprofit supporting emerging Canadian sustainability leaders and young professionals between the ages of 19 and 35. Our mission is to activate and accelerate young professional leadership for positive environmental, social, and economic impact. And I am the executive director and host, Boa Ganaba. Welcome to our first episode. This podcast will be taking a deep dive into the world of young people leading and supporting the fight against climate change. This week, we're joined by Meredith Adler, who's the executive director of Student Energy, a global charity empowering young people to accelerate the transition to a sustainable energy future. Student Energy works with a network of 50,000 young people from over 120 countries to build the capacity for youth to take action on the transition to a clean energy future. Meredith shares a lot of great insights about her experiences as a leader, how she tackles eco-anxiety and eco-grief, and some bits of wisdom that she's learned from other young people along the way. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. We'll be releasing a new episode every month featuring a different sustainability leader or roundtable discussions with young people involved in a variety of sustainability sectors. Subscribe to our podcast to listen as soon as it's out. So here with Meredith Adler, uh, Executive Director of Student Energy. So um, why don't we start by having you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got involved in your work. Yeah, so um, so I'm the Executive Director of Student Energy, so we're a global organization of 50,000 youth in 120 different countries. Um, and my journey to this work uh, was a bit of an interesting one. I have always been quite obsessed with youth empowerment and young people and what their potential is. I hear some people invented apps. I threw leadership conferences from the age of like 12, 16 years old. Um, was very nerdy like that. Um, and then... Um, and then ultimately um, ended up going to university really focused on human rights and international relations, but realizing as I kind of went through that journey that um, I needed more of a skill set and more of an applicability in terms of like, what are the things that are actually impacting people's lives? So that drew me to water policy um, and then energy policy. I studied geography um, and, and I left university having taken one course on energy, but being very determined to get a job um, working working on that. Um, and I had lived quite a bit in Latin America and done a lot of youth empowerment work during university. And so, um, you know, had that global lens and was, and was looking to do that. Ended up working for a think tank just out of university doing clean energy um, policy kind of communications work. Um, and it was an organization that was just getting established itself. And so got to learn a lot about strategic planning and renewable energy, all kinds of different things. And then um, as I was doing that job, actually I saw a job posting for student energy to start designing our chapters program. And uh, and I was like, oh wow, this is all the things, youth empowerment, this is a global organization. And then um, and then energy as well. And, and so joined on, uh, got hired for that, then actually quickly became the only staff person at student energy. And so now it's been about a six and a half year journey of growing the organization we have about 40 staff um all over the world now so um it's a it's been it's been a fun ride yeah that's amazing um uh, that's that's incredible growth in in pretty short period of time so that's that's super impressive um so uh 
let's dig in, uh, dig in a little bit deeper to your current role and um, sort of your average day of work um, or your average work week. I know some sometimes people uh, people's days are, are pretty varied, and so it's kind of easier to answer this question when you're thinking about your week. So um, either way, how would you uh, answer that question? Yeah, I mean it's it's hard to hard to even get to an average week, but I think. Uh, my job has changed a lot since I started, even though my title has stayed the same for quite a while. Um, but a lot of what I work on is working on the strategy of student energy. So making sure that I'm really aware of the energy and climate landscape and making sure that kind of what we're building really is fit for purpose, both in terms of the things that need to change in the world of energy, but also all the gaps that exist in terms of young people being able to actually get into the energy industry and make an impact. Um, so that's where I spend a lot of my time, <laughs> do a lot of staff management, training, development of organizational systems, um, work with our partners on funding, but also I do a lot of work in our Space Youth program where we work with governments and companies and organizations on meaningful youth empowerment and youth engagement. So um, I do spend a lot of my time talking to external actors. Unfortunately, spend less of my time now talking to our students, but I do I do coach um, our 7 Gen Indigenous Youth Energy Council, um, and that's one of my, my favorite pieces of my job right now. Um, and I get to hang out um, in the mentor circle for some of our other students as well. So every now and then I get to still see the people that I, I worked with early days. Wow, that's awesome. Um, yeah, I, it's an interesting question right now because, like, uh, you know, energy, I think, is on a lot of people's minds, uh, especially in Canada. I think we have sort of a, a unique role. So um, just curious, like, how you sort of uh, think about energy in Canada versus, because I know you're, you're a global organization as well, so what are the perspectives of like in Canada versus on the global stage and how does student uh, energy think about those uh, sort of different uh, perspectives? Yeah, so um, we think about different perspectives a lot, I think, um, but one thing I would say actually is we just released a big research report with the highlights of it called the Global Youth Energy Outlook, so it was a, a piece of work where we worked with over 42,000 youth globally on what is it that they want from the future of energy. And we had it all divided out into 10 different regions globally. And so amazingly enough, um, you know, a lot of what we're seeing from young people on the broad sweep scale is, is fairly cohesive in terms of young people want a net zero energy system much faster than what global governments are saying. So most young people are looking towards 2030 or 2040 is when they would like a net, net zero energy system, whereas the most ambitious goals you're seeing from countries, um, including Canada, is 2050. Yeah. Um, and so in about 82% of young people say that they would vote for a politician based on sustainable energy and climate policy. So I think for us, that's really interesting to see that global cohesion. Um, in Canada in particular, I think there are some things that are, are much more front of mind for young people, um, particularly Indigenous rights and reconciliation. I think most young people in Canada could speak to that as it relates to the energy industry, um, but that's not the case everywhere in the world in terms of the awareness of the role of Indigenous peoples, especially when it's front of mind for young people. And then I think in Canada in particular, we also have you know, a very large and carbon intensive oil and gas industry. And so um, for us, you know, that is something that a lot of young people are aware of and, and it's a bit more front of mind than, than it is in other jurisdictions globally. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That makes a lot of sense. And um, 
but yeah, thank you for for sort of laying out sort of that Canadian context. Is uh, we get a lot of questions about this too, so I'm glad we can kind of dig into that. And when you're looking at some of the sort of challenges and opportunities, um, not only to you as a, as a sort of youth leader. Uh, but also from your organization, which is looking to empower young people uh, across the world. Um, how do you think about that uh, and, and the need to sort of accelerate the transition to more sustainable forms of energy? So I think about that a lot because, um, I mean, young people by and large in the energy industry aren't taken super seriously. Um, mm -hmm. The average age of an energy industry employee in either renewables or oil and gas um, is about 55. Um, and so um, it's actually really rare to see young people. I'm actually in my early 30s now, but it still makes me the youngest person in the room often by about 20 years on average of, of you know, what you're looking at. And so um, so I think what's complicated about that is that young people really have a huge stake in the energy system and actually see it very differently. A lot of young people are really focused on kind of the end deliverable, like what's your day-to-day -day life look like rather than the details of exactly kind of how you get there. And our, our survey and, and reports have shown that as well. And so, and I think there's a huge paradigm shift in terms of what young people are willing to accept um, and versus what the people who are running the energy industry today think of as normal and, and necessary to reinforce. And particularly, I think where the rubber hits the road is definitely on timelines of shifting things, but also on um, risk tolerance. I think that young people see climate change as our largest risk going forward, but also inequity. I think um, even this is a big piece of contention, I would say, with environmental groups um, sometimes is sometimes environmental groups can be just so focused on reduction of carbon emissions at all costs, whereas young people are often taking a really intersectional lens and saying that, you know, it's not actually just enough to reduce carbon emissions. We need to value local communities while we do it. And really what we're ultimately hearing is that a lot of young people feel like, well, if we're going to shift this whole massive system anyways, why don't we really like shift the system? It doesn't have to be the same capitalistic structures and all that type the stuff and so and so i think that's for us what's super interesting about about what's happening now is is young people are really asking for a lot and i'm often accused of like shifting the goalposts on people because i am like well wait, wait, wait it's not just the carbon emissions it's all these other things and and i think um that's where you really do need more youth voice though because ultimately you know energy decisions that you make are 50-year decisions often and so if you're not working with young people and then you're making those decisions you're really locking them into what their future can look like and then a lot of the world globally if you look at it globally the average age is under 30 um, and then in countries that have really high carbon emissions and or that lack electricity access often your um your average age is something close to 25. And so the places where you're talking about, you know, really direct things that need to change, um, the average age is pretty low. And so you're really excluding the majority when you're not working with with young people. Yeah, wow, okay. That's, I didn't know that, that's that's incredible. Um, so when you're, when you're working with young people and they are as student energy and, and they're looking to get involved in, in advancing the transition. Uh, how do you actually engage young people? What are some of your programs like? And uh, yeah, can you talk a little bit about that? 
Yeah, so we offer everything from kind of what is a solar panel all the way to starting your career or launching your first business is kind of the entire student energy ecosystem. I won't go into the details too much because that's a little, little much for, for a quick convo. Um, and then we also work on Space Free. So we work to basically help you build young people into different decision-making processes at corporates and governments. We have a bunch of tools for that, but it all really boils down to our youth empowerment models. So um, what we aim to do is basically work with young people and help make sure that they have the knowledge that they need to kind of assess their energy or community landscape and then help them to decide what is it that they want to do in their community or what how is it that they want to establish themselves and then student energy provides the tools and the infrastructure for them to be able to do that and to really accelerate that journey so that ideally it takes one year or two years to get off the ground, whereas it would have taken five to 10 um, before. And so we're really looking at how do you accelerate the skill development of young people at the speed and scale required to meet our targets for 2030 in terms of energy access and carbon emissions. Um, and, and a lot of that does boil down to a pretty unique coaching and mentorship model we have that's paired with online learning, um, but also a few different tips and tricks that are really focused on being that infrastructure system for young people so that they don't have to start from scratch, so that they can build on the knowledge of what has come before them and making sure that they have the right partners in all generations, not just um, from other young people. Oh, that's great. Uh... Yeah, I, I can think of a number, number of uh, people that I know in my own networks who, who have been through student energy programs, and um, yeah, they, they all have absolutely wonderful things to say, so uh, it sounds to me like you're doing great work. Um, sort of shifting gears a little bit, um, we're kind of using this this first season of the Leading Change podcast to, to talk about a, a couple of different themes, one of which is, is the circular economy. So uh, we know that energy has a role to play uh, in the circular economy. And so how do you think, or, or what comes to mind for you when you, when you hear the term circular economy? That's a good one. Um, so, I mean, initially off you, uh, what comes to mind for me is more kind of like recyclable materials and pieces like that. Um, but I have recently started to think a lot about the circular economy as it, as it pertains to the energy system. Um, and, and now I'm thinking a lot more about really the infrastructure of the energy system around how, how do we treat, especially kind of, you know, minerals, basically, like lithium and all these other pieces that are going to be a big part of the energy system going forward, thinking a lot about um, you know, how those recycle, how those move through the world, because once again, with, with the materials of the energy transition, you do stand to create tons of other environmental problems, even if they're not necessarily carbon problems as you go forward. So something a lot about that recyclability, wind turbines, embodied carbon of all of those different pieces, and how do you account for that and basically give credit for um, not having as much embodied carbon in the future. So that's a lot of what I think about when it comes to the circular economy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That makes sense. I know uh, there's sort of a, a lack of understanding. I think maybe it's just like not commonly held knowledge about um, electronic waste and things like that, right? Where do we get these valuable materials from and how do we stop it from just being thrown out, for example? So um, I think uh, the circular economy has definitely a role to play when it comes to resourcing and uh, procurement and all of these different aspects that are necessary for, uh, you know, more sustainable forms of energy. Yeah, and I think also what people don't really realize is just like how much energy goes into any given product 
that you have, like every piece of clothing, every, I mean, just like around desk, computer, all of it has so much energy and embodied carbon within it. And so really the less you use of anything is a huge energy efficiency gain, <laughs> which is, which is an interesting way to think about your consumption. Yeah, definitely. Um, one, one question I've got, uh, that I, I tend to ask everybody is, um, you know, there's a lot going on. There's all these different kind of things that we have to be thinking about that, uh, are, are, uh, that are drawing our attention. So how do you stay motivated? How do you stay inspired to keep on going on, to keep pushing uh, in the work that you're doing? Um, that's a really good question because I would say, I mean, honestly, you probably know this, but sometimes being an executive director just feels like you like woke up and chose to get punched in the face. <laughs> you're just like, how did all these things go wrong at the exact same time? Um, so, um, so because... Um, you know, ultimately, uh, the buck stops with you. And, and as you grow, um, the factors that can bubble up to the top are just multiply. Um, so anyways, I, I think about this a lot. Um, but, um, but I mean, what's really motivating for me is, is really when you see, um, what happens when people are truly supported in, in being, and when you actually have high expectations of people, I think one of our former program participants who's now become a staff person, Olu, you know, in his program evaluation once it was like, well, student energy is the first time that somebody had high expectations. There are all these youth programs, but nobody expects you to actually get something done. And then you had me put together a strategic plan and checked in on it. And it made it clear that I was like expected to actually complete my energy project. And I think, um, and I think, you know, as much as that maybe makes us sound like someone's demanding mother, I think what it really is, is that, you know, you get to watch people grow and evolve and do the unexpected, um, as humans. And, and, um, and it's just so rewarding to watch that happen time and time again. And I personally am obsessed with systems. I'm obsessed with like efficiency and, and how do you like help people help each other and build a community better and all those types of things. And so I think, um, you know, at Student Energy, we've been really lucky to be able to experiment enough to really unlock the formulas for how to do that at scale. And so it's it's endlessly exciting to understand the potential. And then now, I mean, there is such an urgency um, since the pandemic hit. We've just had a demand for a program that is, is really quite challenging to keep up with, like thousands of young people on waiting lists at any given point in time. And so now it's all about feeling like, wow, we're missing, if we're not like hitting our fundraising targets, if we're not like building our systems and training our staff in a way that we can grow and scale, um, you know, then there's lots of young people who we can't like serve who are looking for these types of things. And, and so, um, so that is a lot of what keeps me up at night. It's trying to figure out like, okay, what can we take on? How do we take it on? But then how do our, um, you know, how do our people stay well as well? I think now, you know, the program that I really run is like our staff, like they're all, you know, about 25 years old and taking on huge things. Um, and so how do, how do I support them and make sure that they can also, you know, be gaining from this launch pad that is student energy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you did mention, uh, you know, empowering young people quite a lot um, earlier in the conversation. So that really sort of uh, underlines how this is part of, of your vision and, um, and what inspires you. So that's, that's fantastic. Um, 
kind of uh, going along with that same question or that same thread, um, and you mentioned the pandemic as well, uh, which is, um, I think, severely impacting people's mental health and, and things like this. So um, one of the things that impacts, I think, young people who are interested in the environment is this sort of issue about eco-anxiety and eco-grief. Um, so do you have any thoughts on on, on any of those kind of uh, themes or, or how people can maybe navigate, um, you know, dealing with eco-anxiety in their own lives? Yeah, I think um, it's a challenging one. I mean, it's definitely something that I experience as well. I mean, I just came home from the climate conference in Scotland and literally landed into the BC floods. Like, um, I mean, the plane didn't land in the BC floods, but it was, you know, the highways were destroyed and um, those are areas that I go ski touring. Like it, it was, it was, it felt very immediate. Um, and I think, um, and so I think for me, how I handle it and is really about, okay, thinking about like, well, what can I do kind of on a daily basis to, to make sure that kind of I'm doing my part in this. Um, and so, you know, for my own personal consumption, I think a lot about that and how I do it, but I think also in terms of building toolkits for young people. And I actually think that at least from student energy's perspective and what we see often where anxiety is coming from is feeling powerless, is feeling like, oh, there's nothing I can do here. And I think actually our education system is really not adapting fast enough to be able to give people the toolkit that they need to be able to work on climate and energy solutions. And I think what's a real problem is that so much of how you get into this work and do these types of things is based on networking. And so it's based on power and privilege. And, and that means that you're really like, perpetuating systems of systemic ex exclusion in the climate and environment work. And, and so I kind of think about that a lot in terms of how do you broaden the tent and make sure more and more people know that they do belong within this work and that they can change it and that, um, and, you know, and make sure that we're making a broader toolkit to help people really feel like they too have something to do on a daily basis to contribute. Um, and the final thing I'll say is that like a lot of people um, can, can end up, um, you know, feeling like the weight is entirely on their shoulders. Like if they're not the best composter, recycler, bicycler, mm -hmm. that they're failing at this. And I think that, there's also a moment of acknowledgement that, you know, these systems were not built for us to thrive in the way that we want to thrive. And so it does take collective action to work on like, how do we change monetary systems? How do we change energy systems? And that it's okay to realize that some of this is just a bit beyond you and what your responsibility is, but how do you kind of both contribute on a daily basis and then work to make sure that, um, you know, in your work and in your life, you're talking to your friends about climate and doing those types of things so that, and, you know, voting on it, consuming, thinking about it so that we can actually start to change the world in a really productive way. Yeah, that's, that's great advice. Uh, thank you for that. Um, kind of uh, shifting gears again here, thinking about the future, um, both on a personal level for yourself, but also for student energy. Um, where do you see where do you see you going? Where do you see student energy going? Where do you see yourself going in the next few years? Um, and how do you think about your current current role as it relates to um, looking forward? 
Yeah, so um, student energy is maybe an easier question to answer. We actually just released um, a youth energy compact with United Nations and Sustainable Energy for All. And so our goal as an organization is to launch and fund 10,000 youth-led energy projects by 2030 and kind of raise $150 million to deploy in youth um, direct youth financing. Um, we think it's really important to be getting funding into the hands of young people and making sure that they have that experiential education. So um, for student energy, I think, uh, you know, it's a big goal uh, to try to achieve. Um, you know, we've made a lot of headway this year, but, but there's a lot more to do. And so um, that will likely eat up the decade working to expand upon how do we do, um, you know, this type of education and continue to make it reach broader and broader sets of people who wouldn't have had the opportunity otherwise for both that type of education and funding. Um, for me personally, uh, who knows? Every year, I I contemplate what the what the next path will be, um, and and think about that. I think for now, student energy has um, continued to to bring forward new challenges and excitement kind of pretty much on a daily basis. And so it's keeping me entertained, but thinking a lot as well about, um, you know, I'm very interested in the private sector. I'm very interested in how we deploy renewables actually and, and really scale up deployment globally. So there's a lot of paths uh, forward for me and, and a lot of things that pique my interest and I keep exploring them both at student energy and outside. So, so we'll see what happens with that. Awesome. Uh, well, first I'll say best of luck. I love the ambition and uh, yeah, I hope you guys get there. Um, Thank you. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, so uh, as our audience is mainly young people and, and we're looking to sort of empower them and, and give them tools, but also to inspire them. Um, what have you learned from other young people uh, who are in the industry? Oh man, I, I learn um, so much from other young people in the industry. Uh, I mean, even my own systems of mentorship, I have a co-mentor who is about my age, um, who I meet with on a monthly basis. Um, and she's one of my main pieces of advice. And, and, you know, we got together because we were both looking for more organizational development mentors in the nonprofit space and not really finding someone who really spoke to how we thought the charitable sector needed to evolve. And so, um, you know, literally uh, have a learning system set up um, with another young person. But I think from the young people in our network, I'm just constantly blown away by kind of the amount of drive that they have, um, the amount that they're willing to take on new ideas and kind of what they can do with small kind of grains and pieces of information. So I'm constantly learning like new ways to look at things, new ways to address different challenges um, and learning a lot also about really, um, you know, what is it like to live in other places in the world and take in those perspectives and think about what do solutions really look like that, that serve all people. So, um, yeah, tons of learning on a daily basis. And I mean, the final shout out would definitely be to the student energy staff. I think, um, I don't really feel like I make that many decisions anymore. They just come up with the great ideas and I get to say yes. And so, um, so that, that's a fun one, uh, for me as well. Awesome. Yeah, definitely can uh, can echo that. I feel like um, the the creativity, like you mentioned, and the being able to 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 run with uh, a limited amount of resources, um, it's it's just uh, really inspiring to me as well. Um, coming to the end of the conversation here, so a final question. 
Um, and that's what's one piece of advice that you have for other young people who are interested in a sustainability career, um, and particularly for, for young women as well. Yeah, so my number one piece of advice is always not to be paralyzed by choice. I think people can, especially early in their careers, can spend a lot of time wondering if this is the very best option for them. But often what you actually need to do is is just take the job, get started, see if you like it, document what you're learning, and then kind of evaluate regularly if it feels like time for you to move on. Um, and then I think... Um, you know, and, and that can be a scary way to go about things. Um, but sometimes it's kind of, kind of your best foot forward, um, in terms of job skills, I think for, um, for young women in particular, um, you know, it's still actually a super friendly space. Um, um, I unfortunately have, uh, confrontations with old white men on a regular basis around kind of my views and getting talked down to and all the types of things. And so really finding ways to have, you know, camaraderie, um, people you can, can confide in and then sticking to your guns and, and, and being louder about your opinion. I think it takes most young women in this space many years to learn how to actually voice what they're thinking. And I would just encourage you to, to go for it right from the bat, take notes for the meeting on what you want to say and make sure you say it. Um, because, um, because the, the system is, is often not set up um, for young women, especially bold young women. And so um, yeah. you will face a lot of headwinds, but it doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. Fantastic. That is excellent advice. Thank you so, so much for your time. Uh, it's been a great conversation. Uh, and I hope our listeners uh, get something out of it. Thank you for having me. If you would like to learn more about student energy, Find them at studentenergy.org and on social media at at studentenergy. We hope you enjoyed the episode. We'll be releasing a new episode each month with more insightful conversations filled with great advice. We hope that it makes you feel a little less alone in the fight for a more sustainable future. Find us on social media at leadingchangeca everywhere if you want to let us know about what you thought or follow us to find out when we release the next episode. You can also learn more about Leading Change at leadingchangecanada.com and drop us a comment or question if you have any feedback on our podcast feedback form. See you next time.